everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Friday, September 25th. I'm so glad you're here today. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I hope you guys are doing well today. So many things are happening in the news. This is crazy. It's like 2020 just gets weirder and weirder and wonkier and wonkier uh, as we go along. But I'm kind of encouraged because I'm seeing an awakening. Are you guys seeing this? I'm seeing an awakening happening in the church. I'm seeing God's people waking up, getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. I'm hearing from lots and lots of you who listened to me speak at Comeback California. I'm getting ready to do the same thing again tomorrow in uh, Tri-Cities and the Tri-Cities Washington area at uh, Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick. So I believe that starts at 1030 in the morning. So you guys are not going to want to miss it. Bring your families and uh, come on out to the amphitheater there. It's going to be a fantastic event, and I'm really looking forward to it. I want to take you guys to the book of Mark today, Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And we're going to talk for just a minute about genuine love, because then we're going to launch into a letter that I got from a listener. Mark 10, 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. You guys, if your kids were to ask you the definition of genuine love, what would you say? In the culture today, we've got pretty mixed up ideas about love, don't we? The entertainment industry has reduced love to little more than a a feeling that can come and go, or worse, a physical encounter that carries no commitment with it. You guys have heard me railing against the Netflix, uh, Netflix movie Cuties. I hope you guys canceled your Netflix account already. If you're still waiting to do that, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Even the church is confused about what genuine love looks like. Because rather than focus on the gospel and on the saving message of Jesus, many churches today have become social justice warriors, even going so far as to advocate for things that are clearly in opposition to the word of God. See, really, if we want to teach our kids what genuine love looks like, we don't need to look any further than Jesus himself. Jesus, in a true act, in a genuine act of love, willingly gave himself up and was crucified on the cross on our behalf. Jesus was known for his love of people from all social backgrounds and all stages of life. Jesus was known for hanging out with prostitutes and thieves. He criticized the Pharisees. Remember, we talked about this a couple of days ago when he told him, you guys are like whitewashed sepulchers, beautiful tombs, beautiful on the outside and rotten on the inside. Jesus had an affinity for little children. And he often went out of his way to pay attention to them. Jesus visited the lepers. I wonder what he'd be doing in the middle of the Rona. I think I know. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. You see, he wasn't in it for himself. He was motivated by an incredible kind of love. Jesus' concern was always for that part of human beings that will live on after our bodies die. You see, Jesus knows our hearts. 
He cares about the hearts of men and the souls of mankind. In Mark chapter 10, we read the story of Jesus and a rich man. The Bible records that when Jesus saw him, he felt genuine love for him. I can picture the look of kind concern on Jesus' face as he tries to explain why this man must sell his possessions and instead store up treasures in heaven. You see, though Jesus gave him an opportunity, in the end, the man wasn't willing to leave his riches to follow Jesus. Boy, if that's not a picture of the church right now. One of the interesting things about Jesus is that he always knew what genuine love looked like for the people that he was with. Jesus showed this man genuine love by telling him the truth, even though ultimately the rich man rejected it. I love this example of Jesus because I think sometimes we want so desperately to be heard. We want the truth to be heard and we speak the truth. We might speak it to a family member or speak it to somebody from church or we try to speak it on social media and the, and the truth is rejected and you might be criticized, but it never stopped Jesus from speaking the truth. Why? Because he was motivated by love. The Bible teaches us that God is interested in our hearts. And so when we speak, we should be speaking on his behalf, speaking as an ambassador for Jesus. And at the end of the day, he's going to know if our love is genuine or if it's motivated by um, position or if we're, or, or if it's motivated by ambition. When Jesus showed love to people, his motivation was always correct. And so today, as we think about this idea of love, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, politics and the election that's coming up. And I'm getting, you know, as I'm, as I'm getting older, <laughs> as I'm getting older and I've been doing this for a long time, uh, my, my skin's getting a little bit thicker. And I hope you guys hear in my voice, I've come on the show many times over the years and I've apologized when I've stepped out of line or I've spoken from a place of woundedness. We all make mistakes. And and I think you can tell a heart that wants to follow after Jesus because when you recognize, oh my goodness, that was wrong, I, I sinned. The heart is to go back and make it right. And as we shepherd our children, as we are out in the world today, in, in the middle of this crazy, mixed up, broken world, we have an opportunity to model genuine love. First for our children. And then for a world that's watching, I'm going to encourage you to ask the Lord to help you to see the unique needs of the people that God has in your life. They all come to you with different needs, right? Your kids have different needs. Your spouses have different needs. Your spouse, I shouldn't say spouses. I'm actually not into polygamy. (laughs) But we need to know what God wants us to do. Father, how do you want us to love this person? How do I enter into this person's life in such a way that they want to know more about you, that they can smell the fragrance of Christ. And we can show our children what genuine looks, what genuine love looks like as we meet their needs. And God will show you how to meet them. This is modeling genuine love. Remember yesterday we talked about unforgiveness and how it's so rampant in the church and rampant in the culture. Our kids need to see this stuff modeled at home. We've got a whole generation of parents who've been lied to 
or they bought a lie, or maybe we're just lazy. I'm not sure. But we've been dropping our kids off at, uh, dropping them off at, at school and letting somebody else influence them. Then we drop them off at church and let a pastor shepherd them. And God said, no, man, that's that's your job, mom and dad. That's your job, grandma and grandpa. Stay in there. You have an opportunity to model genuine love for your children and really for a world that's watching because they are watching. And uh, speaking of watching, I wanted to read a letter to you that I got from a listener. It's actually a really sweet letter. And I'm not going to say the name of the listener because she didn't ask me to, but I know she's going to recognize her letter when she hears it. She said, Heidi, first of all, I want to say that as a mother, a young mother several years ago, I really looked forward to and appreciated your words of encouragement and wisdom. There were many rough days and rough nights that seemed to stretch on forever, and you helped me see God's amazing plan and that there really is a season for everything. However, as I have followed you on Instagram and have seen what you've posted this year about COVID-19 and Trump, my heart is deeply troubled and saddened. I remember watching Trump's show, The Apprentice, and have watched and heard him in several interviews before being elected president and was appalled at who he portrayed himself to be. His actions and words have been unkind, derogatory towards minorities and women, and just plain crude. I was shocked at the way he has driven many of his businesses to bankruptcy. I cannot get behind him. His character continues to show what he truly values, not honoring God or this country. We obviously all have a choice in who we vote for, and sadly, I have a hard time supporting any nominee this year. I just wanted to say I'm bewildered at your support of Trump and ask why from one woman, wife, mother, and Christ follower to another. So first of all, I just want to say, I I actually do read your questions when you send them in to me. I appreciate them coming into Mailbox Monday. And you guys can send me questions at uh, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. And I realize this isn't Mailbox Monday, but I want to address this because as the uh, election draws closer, I think Christians need to be engaged. And I'm going to take issue right away with something that this listener said. She said that um, his character shows what he truly values, not honoring God or this country. And you know what? You could not be. I'm not sure what you're watching or what news you're watching. But President Trump loves this country more than any president that I can remember in modern history. He's standing for the unborn, the most pro-life president in the history of our nation. Last Wednesday, just a couple of days ago, he issued an executive uh, order that went against the ding-dongs in the Senate and said, no, if if a baby survives an abortion, that baby is now protected by executive order. President Trump has been absolutely pro-life. If that was the only issue on the ballot, you'd have to vote for him. I don't understand how a person of conscience could sit this out. He's the most patriotic president that I can remember since probably Lincoln. And I didn't know Lincoln because I wasn't alive. But I'll tell you what right now, I was a huge uh, fan of Ronald Reagan. My grandfather was a pastor. I've told you guys this before, I think. And he taught me to love this country. And... uh Biden does not love this country. Biden would uh, stand for partial birth abortion. Hillary Clinton herself said that if a baby, right up until the moment before it's born, she would support killing that child. This is just 
evil. And when you vote for a president, can I just tell you, sweet listener, when you vote for a president, you're not voting for a human being. You're not voting for a person. You're voting for a worldview. Jesus isn't on the ballot. He's not running for president. What Trump is what Trump is uh, representing right now is a worldview. Is he going to do everything right? No. But we know what's going to happen if Biden is elected. We're talking about open borders. We're talking about abortion uh, on demand without apology and without restriction. We're talking about the the um, promotion of illegal immigration, the denigrating of our cities. Biden doesn't care about the Constitution. The Constitution was written to protect us from people who don't think we need a constitutional protection. And I I understand that there are Christians out there that don't like Trump, and I, I can understand that. But for the most part, I actually really appreciate the guy. I understand that his persona can be off-putting to some people. But I'll tell you what, we need a fighter in the White House. This country is under attack. And if God could speak through a donkey, God can use Donald Trump. And in fact, he's doing it. Wayne Grudem, I don't know if you guys are following him. He's a distinguished research professor of theology and biblical studies at Phoenix Seminary in Arizona. Apparently got an earful from a friend who believes he can't be a faithful Christian and support Trump. So Grudem wrote his friend a letter explaining how it's entirely possible to support Trump without abandoning your faith. And he published the letter. Uh, at uh, at Town Hall. And I'm going to read a part of it to you today because I thought it was so great. You guys, uh, we have an obligation. So here's what he said. He said, Dear Zachary, thank you for your thoughtful, honest email explaining why you have, why you felt frustration and anger about my public support of Donald Trump. I'm glad you wrote as you did rather than leaving the matter unspoken. And I would say that to the woman who wrote to me too. I appreciated your email. It was thoughtful. Thank you for not yelling. <laughs> Thank you also for writing as a longtime friend to express your concerns that my support of Trump might jeopardize the reputation that I have built as a trusted professor of theology and ethics for the last 43 years. I take these objections seriously and have pondered them for several days. Please consider the following 12 points of response. Number one, no consideration of policies. At the beginning of your email, you write, this email does not concern policy. The rest of the email concerns what you see as President Trump's character flaws, but that means that your email fails to address the entire reason for my support of Trump. In every column that I've published in support of Trump, I've explicitly registered my disapproval of his character flaws and previous immoral behavior. I support him because of the policy he is enacting and will enact, and in spite of his character flaws, which I don't think rise to the level that would disqualify him from being president. A few months ago, while the impeachment trial was going on, a younger faculty colleague asked me at lunch, what would Trump have to do to make you stop supporting him? And my response was something like this. I will stop supporting him if he begins to favor higher taxes, more government regulation, a weaker military, open borders, judges who believed in, quote, a living constitution, which is exactly what Biden wants, extended abortion rights, restriction on freedom of religion, hostility toward Israel. Oh, my goodness, you guys don't even get me going on President Trump's support of Israel. God's word is very clear. God will bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel. Uh, And I agree with with Dr. Grudem. My conservative political views are not new. 
my convictions about the best policies in political persuasions for a nation uh, began long before I ever heard of Donald Trump. Wayne Grudem said that in 1964, as a high school junior, I read the book A Choice, Not an Echo by Phyllis Safley and became convinced of conservative political policies, lower taxes, smaller government, strong defense. I became president of the Young Republicans Club at Memorial High School in Wisconsin and helped campaign for Barry Goldwater against Lyndon B. Johnson in the 1964 election. So he's basically saying he's been a conservative for a long time, as have I. The reader went on to say, it seems that you are elevating politics above the Bible. You are sacrificing your calling for the sake of some judges in America who will last 15 to 20 years. You are putting a temporal in front of eternal, and it worries me. I hear this argument a lot. Dr. Grudem said, can you understand that I'm seeking to influence politics because of the Bible? Because of my conviction that the Bible speaks to all of life, like the Jewish people in exile in Babylon, I believe we are called by God as Christians to be exiled on the earth and simultaneously, quote, to seek the welfare of the city, according to Jeremiah 29, 7, where God has called us to live as exiles. Uh, Christians should never intentionally sin in order to bring out what they think would be a good result, right? For example, be morally wrong and displeasing to God if I were ever to tell a lie in order to promote a political candidate. It would also be morally wrong for me to steal ballots or stuff a ballot box with fraudulent ballots. And I think it'd be morally wrong for me to say or write that I approve of a political candidate's adultery, falsehood, embezzlement, and so forth. But you guys, the choice in this election is very, very clear. You got to ask yourself, which of two package deals is better for the nation, Donald Trump and the Republican policies or Joe Biden and the Democrat policies? And you guys, there are no other choices. The nation will either have option A or option B as a whole package for the next four years and probably longer. And if I withhold my support from Trump, that makes it easier for Biden to win and thereby for Democratic policies to bring, in my opinion, great destruction to the nation. And to me, the choice has never been more clear. Voting for a third-party candidate is essentially voting for Biden. Uh, and Trump isn't perfect. He's egotistical. He can be bombastic. He often lacks nuance in his statements. Sometimes he blurts out mistaken ideas and later has to abandon them. And I'm telling you what, you guys. Uh, I've watched the man, and I know he loves his country. And if if uh, I can't think of a single solitary person right now who's better suited for the job and whose temperament is better suited than Donald Trump's, he is being attacked like I've never seen a candidate be attacked ever in the history of presidential elections. And it amazes me that we still have Christians who refuse to support him because they don't like his personality. They think that he's just not, uh, he's not Christian enough. But you have to remember, we're not voting for personality. We're voting for policy. And if you want to know what a government under a democratic control would look like, just go to their, to their page. Go look and see what they want to do to this country. Go look and see what's going on. It's terrifying to me. Look, in, look at Portland. Look at Seattle. It's never been more important than it is right now. If, if the pro-life issue was the only one 
on the ballot, I would say I would vote for I would vote for Trump in a heartbeat and I wouldn't feel bad about it. And I wouldn't even I mean, I'm sleeping very well at night. But you guys, this is really important. Supreme Court justices. Oh, my goodness. Peace in the Middle East. Rebuilding our military. Have you guys noticed that you don't see videos right now of of Islamists cutting off the heads of American journalists? That's because there's a man who knows that peace comes through strength in the White House. Donald Trump believes in border securities. He passed the right to try law, which means that if you are found to have a, a devastating illness, a terminal illness, then he's saying that you have the right to try new treatments and your insurance will have to cover it. The Trump administration has fought for religious liberty and for the right to assemble. He's unapologetically protected the rights of the unborn. He's been amazing for the economy. He loves our military. He loves this country. You guys, the Democrats hate God. I don't know if you've noticed that. But we're, we're talking about radical Marxism. That's what we're up against. And Donald Trump is standing in the way of a complete Marxist socialist takeover of the nation. And so honestly, I don't understand how anybody who claims the name of Christ could sit this election out or vote for a Democrat. I really don't. And that's how clear it is to me. And so I appreciate you writing. I understand, you know, these these are frustrating times, but I will say this. I'm going to say it one more time. I very much appreciated the tone that you took in your letter to me you have demonstrated that we can uh, that we can have a conversation, and I very much appreciate that. I'm going to link back to Wayne Grudem's letter in the show notes today, if you guys would like to look at that, because it, it goes on and on. There's a whole lot more to it, uh, but he's it's a fantastic apologetic for why Christians we cannot, you guys, we cannot sit this out. We cannot sit this out. If Joe Biden gets into the White House, uh, we're going to have problems that's going to take generations to uncover and to recover from. And I fail to see how an evangelical Christian who believes in the moral values of the Bible can support the increasingly far-left Democrat Party. How can a good Christian, how can a Christian whose conscience is listening to the Holy Spirit support a party that promotes laws and policies that allow abortion up to the moment of birth, that would use your tax money to pay for those abortions and gender reassignment surgery? Joe Biden has come out to say that he believes that we should be funding gender reassignment surgeries for young people. He will cripple our economy and uh, and bring in the new Green Deal, which will be horrible, increase unemployment, weaken the military, abandon Israel to fend for itself. And I could go on and on and on. I have unapologetically supported President Trump in 2016, and I'll do it again in 2020. And I'm going to ask you guys to join me. So I'll link back to that in the show notes today. I appreciate you guys writing in and getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. We appreciate the engagement. Keep following me on social media. We're having a great time over there on Instagram. <laughs> and I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. We love you so much. Thanks for leaving reviews for the podcast over at iTunes and for my books. Actually, if you haven't left reviews for my books over at Amazon, I'm kind of getting clobbered over there. I'd love it if you guys could leave a review. It, I kind of, I kind of, I'm starting to see it as a little bit of a badge of honor when somebody goes to Amazon and says, you know, you know, this woman is, she's too much of a Christian for me. And I'm like, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> but I love to see your reviews over there. It really does help us sell books. And uh, we're just excited. I am very excited to see you guys tomorrow uh, at Tri-Cities Calvary Chapel in Kennewick, Washington. Check the show notes for more information or just Google it, call the church. I believe it starts at 1030 in the morning. 
So we're looking forward to a great Saturday. I have a great weekend, you guys, and I'll see you back here for Mailbox Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.